Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. tonight go to the book of Psalms we're going to do some digging around and some studying receiving some information some inspiration some instruction some correction whatever we need from the word on the subject of praise and worship a lot of people's idea of praise and worship is pretty much confined to the idea that praise is the fast song, worship is the slow song. (laughs) Amen. You say define praise and worship, they'll say praise is the fast song, worship is the slow song. Uh, But you know it's a lot more than that. Amen. We're going to see that in the Word of God. I was listening to a radio program several years ago coming back from a meeting, and a a guy was talking about God, was talking about creation. It was actually the, 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 the radio program was about creation, And this man had written scientific proof of creation. And an atheist called in. And this atheist began to complain about the uh, unwillingness of this this radio commentator to bring somebody to refute creation, somebody that uh, knew something about evolution. He said, you know, at least you should have had somebody that could come up there and refute. And I like what the guy said. He said, well, listen, he said, the problem I have with doing that is what this guy is telling us is facts. All they have when it comes to evolution is a theory. Amen. But this atheist said this. He said, I don't see how anybody can believe in God. Because if there is a God, he's an egomaniac. And the, the guy on the, 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 the radio commentator said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, anybody that would demand praise and worship and, and would constantly just, you know, needs to be affirmed and praised and worshiped, who'd want to serve anybody like that? Well, obviously that person knew nothing about God. Amen. You got to understand something about God, and that is this. Without him, we don't exist. Without him, there is no you, there is no me, there is no earth, there is no star, sun, moon. There's nothing without God because by him and through him and by his word, everything finds their existence, its existence. Amen. Just because of that, he's worthy of praise. I said just because he gives us existence. I mean, that's a good reason even for a sinner to praise him. Amen. Now, Psalms 95, let's begin here before I get ahead of myself. It says in uh, Psalms 95, let's begin there in verse 6. It says, Oh, come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice... Harden not your heart as in the day of provocation, in the day of the temptation in the day as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my work. So notice that again. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Now, if we were to get into a study on the nation of Israel when they came out of Egypt, especially around a few events that took place around around Mount Sinai, around the time in which uh, Moses was receiving the law, the Pentateuch, uh, uh, format was being set, tradition was being set, laws were being put in order to bring worship to God. These people basically did not recognize 
to the extent that the mighty power of God had brought sustained them in the wilderness because their lack of worship hardened their heart. Let me say that again. Their lack of worship, as you go study it in the book of Exodus and again in the book of Deuteronomy, you will see that during that time, mostly what they did was complain. Mostly what they did was murmur. Mostly what they did was bring accusation against both God and Moses. What did you do? Bring us out here in the wilderness to kill us so that the Egyptians would know that you're not a good God? I mean, they were, they were very belligerent against God instead of being appreciative in their heart, instead of worshiping God, and, and we'll study the two different the differences between praise and worship here in just a moment, but instead of worshiping God and recognizing the great arm of strength in which God had brought them out of Egypt with, they did not do that, and the Bible says they hardened their heart, and we know because of our studies in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says because they hardened their heart, they did not enter into his rest which left them in the wilderness 40 years. And what they learned in the wilderness, everybody remember? How to die. You know, I've heard some teaching on wilderness experience, and I didn't like any of it because I didn't like, I know myself in studying the, the exodus of God's people, it was not his intent for them to spend 40 years in the wilderness in disobedience. It was probably his intent for them to spend about 18 months and then go in and possess the promised land. 18 months is about what it took to create the tabernacle, to institute the Levitical priesthood, to get the nation ready to go in and possess the land. And then they sent the spies out. And when the spies came back, I believe in the word of God and can prove it by the word of God because it was a nation that did not worship God. When they came back with an evil report, instantly the evil report went throughout the camp and none of the good report had any effect whatsoever. Now, did you know that has the same effect today? Amen? It has the same effect today. When we do not worship God, when we do not praise God, when we do not enter in with a heart of thanksgiving, not just for what He does, but for who He is, then our hearts become hardened. The Bible says this about a hardened heart. It says the deceitfulness of sin will harden you, and the foundation of sin in a believer is unbelief. That's what it is. All sin is connected to unbelief. Actually, it says this in the, in, uh, in, the, in the letters. I forget exactly which one it was. I was reading it the other day. It says, that which is not of faith is sin. So all unbelief is sin. So with that in mind, let's go to real quick to Psalms 100. Then we'll go to the book of Hebrews. This is just kind of our introduction tonight. I think it's going to be good to study this because I think out of this is going to come a new level of worship. Now look at, look at Psalms 100. Psalms 100. Yeah, let's, just, let's just start in verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Now, first of all, let's define worship. The worship of God is worshiping who he is. Praise is giving, is giving 
thanks to what he does. Worship is recognition of who he is. That's the most basic definition you can give of praise and worship. What is the difference between praise and worship? Worship is to him for who he is. Praise is for him for what he does. Are you with me? You thank him for what he does. That's praise. You worship him for who he is. Now, I do not try to put weight on one more than the other because I believe they are eternally connected. They are eternally connected with a balance. It shouldn't be worship. It shouldn't be praise. It should always be praise and worship or worship and praise. Amen. When we worship God, we recognize, first of all, his existence. That takes faith. All worship, all praise takes faith. To recognize his existence, the existence of a being. That's where people have real problems because they can't contact it with their five senses. They can't contact it with some kind of evidence in which some scientist can show them, which really they can. That guy that wrote the book about creation has had all kinds of evidence in his book of creation and how God had did it at a specific time in a specific way, how things had not evolved, how that could have never happened. Amen. Because of the complexity of all that exists, there's no way it could have evolved. It had to, be, to have been created by a, quote, higher power or a higher intelligence. So when we come and we begin to worship God, we give him his place as God. We recognize he is, quote, the higher power which also we must understand and not enter into this realm of humanism that higher power is whatever man says higher power is. Higher power is what the Bible says it is. It is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's get real specific on who we call the higher power. The creator of the universe, the creator of the word, Elohim, God Almighty, which contains God the Father, God the Son, or God the Word, and God the Holy Spirit. He is the God of the Jewish nation and the God of the Christian. Are you with me? Buddha is not God. Mohammed is not God. Confucius is not God. There's some two million and something Hindu quote gods. They are not God. People say, well, you have to respect other people's gods. No, you don't. Amen. Amen. They say, do you, don't you respect the gods of other people? I do not. I see no respect of God for the other quote gods, when they brought the tabernacle into the Philistine temple and the Dagon, God, the God Dagon was there, his hands fell off, he fell to the ground, his head fell off, and eventually the Philistines gathered up that tabernacle and got it out of their presence because they were ate up with boils and hemorrhoids. You say, why? Because there's only one God, and he is holy, and he is righteous, and we do not give respect to any other God. You say, why? For they are not gods. They are not gods. Jesus plainly declared himself the Son of God. God never hid from people saying he was something else. God is God, and when we begin to recognize him for who he is in worship, we begin to recognize his essence, his being, his character traits. We begin to think about his mercy, his kindness, his grace. When he uses it, that's when we get over to praise. But who he is, number one, the Bible says God is love. You say, what does that mean, God is love? 
That means God does not choose in whom he will love and whom he will not love. He has no capacity in him to not love his creation. He loves every person unconditionally. He does not love. He is love. God is love. God is light. God is truth. Are you with me? God is righteousness. God is peace. God is joy. God is holiness. And when you begin to recognize all these attributes of God and then realize he is the one that saved you and redeemed you from a fallen state because he, quote, loved you so much, then you begin to realize this being called God is worthy of my worship. If I could never put my finger on a single thing he has done for me, then I can still worship him because of who he is. He is a God that could have destroyed humanity. He's a God that could have watered all up, thrown it away, and done something else. But he is a God that chose to redeem us. He's a God that chose to bless us. He is a God that chose to reveal himself to us. He is a God that chose to give us his word and handle divine power. Can you imagine humanity handling divine power? That's what God does. He says, uh, uh, Peter says over the book of 2 Peter, he gives us all things that pertain unto life and godliness that through his promises we might be partakers of the divine nature. The human nature is fallen. The human nature is estranged from God. The human nature is sinful. But God says, if you'll just come to me and receive my sacrifice, Jesus, you can be a partaker of the divine nature. The divine nature is holy. The divine nature is joyful. The divine nature is healed. The divine nature is prosperous. The divine nature is blessed. The divine nature has a future beyond the grave. And when you begin to think about God like that, you just lift your hands up. You begin to say, Lord, I worship you for who you are. You are the great God of the universe, the creator of all that is and was and will ever be. You are the God that loves me. You are the God that cares about me. You're the God that looked down on my sinful life. I wasn't looking for you. You were looking for me. You came after me with all your love, with all of your power, with all of your ability, and you've just poured it into my life. You've continually loved me. When I've made mistakes, you've given mercy to me. When I've walked in faith, you've empowered me with grace. You've healed my body. You've saved my soul. You've renewed my mind. You've blessed my finances. You've given me heaven as a home. You've made me a stranger on this earth. You've given angels to watch over me. You've given me your word to to study. Come on, church. Man, you hook up with that. You start, you spend five hours just worshiping God for who he is. Amen. Listen, he's not some egomaniac sitting up in heaven saying, I only exist by those that look to me and worship me. Now, see, in, in, in society, we may say that there are people in society that we worship, but that's not really true. Worship is not something one human can give to another. Worship is only something that a human can give to a righteous God. We give each other praise. When we study praise, we'll get into this a little more in depth. But understand this. We look at the quarterback that wins the Super Bowl. Now, he did what? He won the Super Bowl. He accomplished something. Based on that, the news media praises him. The NFL praises him. His coach praises him. They give him bonuses. They give him a ring. They give him a trophy. But the next year, let him lose the first four games. 
Come on, church. Because, see, the, pray, the praise of man to man is all based on performance. All based on performance. But, see, when it comes to God, when we begin with worship, you say, well, Pastor, you know, I'm really struggling. I, I'm believing God for healing in my body, and, and I'm believing God for a breakthrough in my finances, and I want to see God perform. You talked about Sunday how, how he, uh, uh, we, we believe in his promise, and we're persuaded, and then God performs, and I'm in that process, and, you know, I just, I just how do I progress through that with my praise and worship? Begin with worshiping first. Before you begin to look at the activity of God, look at the person of God. Because if all you are is after the activity of God, I've said it like this for years, if all we do is serve God for what He can do, what He can do in our life will be limited. But if we will serve God for who He is, what He can do in our life will be unlimited. So we don't serve God for just what He can do. That's the human level. As long as He's the Super Bowl quarterback, as long as He's the World Series winner, as long as he's the one doing something, oh, then we'll, then we'll worship. Then, no, no, that's human. But when we get over here and see a God that loves us and cares about us, amen, and, and, and loved us so much that he died for us and rose from the dead and conquered the three great enemies of, of, of humanity, death, hell, and the grave, conquered them, conquered them, made a way, in which even if we die and go into the grave, one day we'll be raised from the dead and given a resurrected, glorified body to live in the presence of God. And when the activity of God really kind of ceases, we will continue to worship for eternities. Worship in praise. What you say, what do you mean the activity ceases? He won't be healing you in heaven. He won't be prospering you in heaven. You say, why? You'll already be healed. You'll already be prospered. You'll have no needs in heaven. There'll be no need. You'll just worship around the throne. You'll worship with the four and twenty elders. You'll worship with the great beasts that are created just for worship. You'll worship with the angelic realm. You say, why are you teaching it like this? Because if you don't get a foundation of worship, your praise will be shallow and in vain. Your praise will feed off of your worship. If your worship is correct, your worship will carry you through times in which your praise is a struggle, when your praise is hard, when you can't see God doing anything. Remember the woman, the Syrophoenician, she came and she said, touch my daughter, she's going to die. And Jesus wouldn't even talk to her. And the disciples, <coughs> excuse me, the disciples came and they said, take her away, she troubleth us. And Jesus said, I'm not come, but to the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel. And the Bible said, she came and fell down and worshipped him. Nothing had been done. Her daughter hadn't been healed. She didn't understand God. Jesus had rejected her. Then Jesus made this statement. She said, it is not meat for me to take the bread and give it to the children's bread and give it to the dogs. She called that woman a dog. But she was in a posture of worship, and because she was in a posture of worship, she did not reject that saying. She used that saying as her answer. Children, bread, and dogs. Children, bread, and dogs. Because I'm in a posture of worship, I'm on the right frequency, 
I'm hearing children, bread, and dogs. And if you put children and bread and dogs together, you're going to have crumbs all over the floor. So I really don't need a great covenant. I don't need Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. I just need a crumb of your word to deliver me. Therefore, Jesus, even the little dogs under the table eat of the crumbs of the master's table. And Jesus said, your worship gave you faith and it gave you great faith. She wasn't praising, she was worshiping. Amen? So, when we worship, number one, don't let your worship be just corporate. Remember what we said, most people's definition of praise and worship is praise the fast songs, worship the song. No, no, no. Corporate praise, corporate worship is wonderful. We love it. We need it. It sets a standard and an atmosphere for our services. It helps bring in the presence. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. But listen, if you will become a worshiper as an individual, the Bible says that God seeks after those. In John chapter 3, those, excuse me, John chapter 3 or 4, it says those that worship in spirit and in truth. For the Father does what? He seeks those type of people. He seeks those type of people that will get up in the morning and lift their hands up and say, this is the day the Lord's made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. As I take my first few breaths this morning, I'll use them to worship you, God. Because you're so good. You gave me another night's sleep and another day to live. You give me existence upon this earth. You've given me so many good things. You've done so much. I don't want to enter into praise. I want to stay over here and worship you. You are the great God, Jehovah. You are the great God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the great God that raised Jesus from the dead. You're the God that poured the Holy Ghost out upon the church. You're the God that gave us the word. You're the God that gives us all power. You're the God that does all of these wonderful things. I want to recognize and worship and glorify you. I tell you, it's hard to have a bad day if you'll get up worshiping. Amen? Now, now go to Hebrews. How's my time? Oh, I'm doing good. Go to Hebrews real quick. This is Hebrews 13. Now, let me read here a minute since I do have about 10 minutes left. Praising the Lord. One of the greatest acts of faith is praise and thanksgiving for that which you recognize in the word that you've not yet received in the natural. You understand what I'm saying? While your body is still hurting, you have a posture of praise when it comes to healing. Anybody know what a posture of praise means? That means you're, worship, you're, you're praising him for your healing. When you haven't had any Increase in your salary. No check is coming in the mail, but you do know the word says he supplies all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You give him thanks and you praise him for your prosperity. When it looks like nothing has happened, you give recognition to his activity because there's a whole lot more going on that you cannot see than there is what you can see. Did you get that? Now, let me read this a minute. This is, this is a little more meaty than most things we teach on, but this will help you. Let's, let's try. Just start in verse 8. Jesus Christ. Everybody say, Jesus Christ. 
the same yesterday and today and forever. There's a consistency in him. Be not carried away about with diverse and strange doctrines. Boy, that's a good word. People always get mad at me. I heard somebody say that. It's been a oh, couple of months. I heard you preach 23 years ago. Name the church they hear me. You're still preaching the same thing. Yeah, that's because I hadn't got carried away with strange and diverse doctrines. Amen. And if you come 30 years from now, you're going to hear the same thing. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, that's actually with legalism, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. You know what he's saying? He said, now listen, all those that are making up the do's and don'ts, it's not working. That's what he's saying. He said, all of them that are, you know, because the Judaizers were coming in behind Paul, and they were saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You can't eat this meat, you can't do this, you can't do that. And you know what he's saying? He said, none of it's working for them, why do it? They were coming up with strains and diverse doctrines. He says, it says, we have an altar. Everybody say an altar. Whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. Isn't that a strange verse? You know what they're saying? Serve the tabernacle is under the law. Those that serve the tabernacle did it under the Levitical law. And he is saying of those people that were still trying to create a legalistic or a law-based doctrine, they have no right to come to our altar of grace. They can't have both. You say, what do you mean? They can't have both. They can't have, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, got to do that, and then you come into grace. No, no, you, you come to grace, you come into grace how? Through Jesus. He's the only way into faith, into grace, into salvation, into healing. He's the only way to enter into the things of God. Remember what he told Nicodemus. Unless you are born again, you cannot see, understand, comprehend, nor enter into the kingdom of God. Things concerning the kingdom. Things about the kingdom. Things that have to do with the dominion of God here on the earth. He exercising his ability, his power, and his dominion through those who serve him. You're not going to do it through law. It's got to be through grace. They have no place at our altar. Are you with me? They have no place at our altar. There's a whole message I could preach on that, but I better not. It says, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burnt without the camp. So he was saying, even their legalism did not cover the tabernacle and its holiness. There was still that which had to be taken outside the camp to be done away with. What was that? The sin of man. Remember, their sin was what? Covered. It was atoned for, which meant the nature of sin was still on the inside of them. So their conversation or their lifestyle never changed. They had to have do's and don'ts because grace won't work. But sin has been circumcised or cut out of you. It's not in your spirit any longer. Righteousness is. Therefore, you do not need do's and don'ts. You need grace. Amen. Now, stay with me. I know this is a little, little more meaty, but I, I, sometimes it's good. Amen. It says, wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. He didn't die in the tabernacle. He didn't die in the temple. Between, he didn't die in the temple between the, between the uh, cherubs of the mercy seat. He died where? 
outside the gate. You say, why? That's where we are. That's where all of humanity exists, is outside the presence of God, outside the provision of God. So instead of God saying, well, you're always estranged from me unless I can give you these do's and don'ts, and you can come in from time to time and sense my presence, but there'll never be a lasting change in your life. What I'll do is I'll come outside the tabernacle. I'll come outside the temple. And I'll offer myself for you that I might sanctify you, set you apart, and not bring you into the temple, but put the temple in you. You got to be careful with these scriptures because they all scream for their own message to be preached. It says in verse 14, Let us go forth, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp. Now notice what he says. Bearing his reproach. Now, what is the name of this book? Hebrews. So it's written to the Hebrews. So there was a reproach upon any Jewish person that made a decision to accept Jesus for his salvation and reject the law of Moses. So he said, forget about that. Who cares? It is salvation. Let us be willing to suffer the rejection and the reproach of our religion so that we might obtain salvation. Are you with me? Now, let me turn my page here. Then it says in verse 14, For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Let me read that in the Amplified. For here we have no permanent city, but we are looking for the one which is to come. He is saying, here on earth, we are temporary visitors. We were were residents and participants of the earth and its fallen nature until we got saved. When we became saved, we became strangers and aliens upon the planet. Got to see it, church. You got to see it. We became strangers, alienated from the world system, alienated from what has happened through the fall of Adam, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, not by bulls and goats. Notice the next scripture before I get ahead of myself. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Now listen, when it came time to begin to study to teach on praise and worship, you know how many scriptures there is in the Bible you can do that? You can, I mean, brother, I'm going to tell you, you go on for months. There's scripture after scripture after scripture. I chose these tonight for this reason. Praise. What would be the highest form? What he has done. Notice what it said. Let me read it again. By him, therefore, let us offer, notice the term, the sacrifice of, notice it's not worship, it's praise, so it has to do with works. Praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Let me read it in the Amplified. Through him, therefore, let us continually and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. Now listen, listen, stay with me just a moment. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
in this scripture, we see our foundation for praise. Not what we're believing him to do, but what he has done. Are you with me? Because if you're looking for him to do it, you're missing it. You say, well, he's already done it. He's not going to heal. He's already, brought, he's already purchased healing. He's not going to save. He's already purchased salvation. He's not going to set free. He's already set the camp. He's already done all he can do, and he has sat down at the right hand of the Father. He's taken the Word and made it available, available to us. He's given us the Holy Ghost on the inside and empowered us with it. He's given us the fivefold ministry. He's given us the gifts of the Spirit. He's given us the motivational gifts of God. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Therefore, looking away from what has not yet manifested and looking to what he has done, we offer up the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit, something developed, the fruit of our lips. Doing what? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm saved. Thank you that I'm redeemed by the blood. Thank you that the stripes on your back purchase healing for me. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you that it came in through salvation. Thank you that it came upon me through the baptism. Thank you for the word of God. The entrance of your word brings light and life to me. Thank you for deliverance. You've set me free. Who the Son, set, who the Son is set free is free indeed. Thank you for heaven is my home. I'm an alien and a stranger. I'm an ambassador for Christ, a pilgrim and a stranger walking in a strange place looking for my city, the city that I belong to, the city that I'm a resident of. Come on, church. Doing, doing it how often? Continually offering it up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for the church, for the ministry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing me to live in 2013. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for all that you've done. I mean, you just continually, continually, continually. There's your found. Now, you couple that with worship. You tie that together with worship. And you get up in the morning, and you take the word. And what it says about who he is and what he has done. And you begin to give acknowledgement to God through worship and praise. Lord, I just get up this morning and I recognize that you are the creator of all that is and was and will ever be. But for you, the sun wouldn't shine today. But for you, it wouldn't even have rose in the east. It won't set in the west. But you, Lord, have put all things in order. You said in your word that you uphold all things by the word of your mighty power. And I'm just up this morning to worship you and to glorify you and to tell you that you are my God and I am the sheep of your pasture and I love you and I care about all that you care about and I want to be your hand extended and I worship you this morning and not only that I thank you for Jesus Christ I thank you that he came outside the gate that you came looking for me to make me a stranger and a pilgrim and an alien to this world and this world system therefore I praise you this morning that he is my salvation. He is my healer. He is my joy. He is my strength. He is my righteousness. He is my peace. He is my all in all. He's the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. I praise your holy name, continually giving you thanks and worshiping and glory. I tell you, start doing that every morning. Now that's where the enemy will fight you. Because we tie so much feelings 
to praise and worship. We talk about faith, and we can distance our feelings from that. But then when we come to worship and praise, we want to feel something. So people start saying things like, well, you know, I wish I could feel God if I could just see a miracle. If I could just, if I could just sense his prayer. Did you know none of that will do anything for you? I remember being in 1985 at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem on, a, on a, uh, the beginning of the Sabbath, at 6 o'clock Friday night. The rabbinical school poured out. They were all in a big circle dancing the Hebrew dances that they dance. People were at the Wailing Wall praying. Jewish, the way the Jewish people pray. The women were off in the, in the court, off to the, I guess would be to the north of it. And man, I could sense the presence of God. And I thought, I had this thought in my mind. Man, if I could just go lay hands on three or four people and see them healed. Man, we could have revival right here. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, my son did the same thing and they put him on a cross. So here's, here's, here's something. Here's what we think. Man, if we can just pour out of our church and go to Walmart and lay hands on sick people and, and get them out of wheelchairs and, and do this and do that, boy, I tell you, we have revival in this city. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll have a few people healed. You'll have people rise up and criticize it. You'll get articles in the paper criticizing it. You'll have this happen, that happen. But you find people that worship God, segregated from their feelings, separated from emotion that do it by the word for who he is and what he does and enter into it, the spirit of that thing will pick up. There will be a momentum to that that will pick up. The spirit realm will get activated. You notice the last few days, I heard this term. The atmosphere is ripe. You could almost walk out your door this morning and when the rain was kind of falling real slow and just feel the weight of the moisture of the humidity, of all of that, and then we had the, the impulses that squeeze in the rain out of that. Now, switch that over to the spirit realm about how your worship and your praise can create and make the atmosphere what? Ripe. Where when people walk in the back door, they go, whoa. I've heard people say that about Island Church. I've heard people say that about driving. driving. Man, I drove, drove through there, and I felt something. I've heard people say that about, well, I walked in the back door, and man, there was, some, there was something in that place. I, had, uh, I think it was at my mom's funeral. There were two people in particular that told me later. They said, you know, when I walked in that church, I had no idea. I thought that used to be the Gerland store. He said, the one particular guy was talking, said, I walked in there, and there was something in there. What was that? I had another guy tell me, it was just a few days ago. He said, he came to one of our men's meetings. He said, I was sitting there, and he said, the atmosphere was so thick I could barely breathe. This was at a men's meeting we had about two years ago in the, in the uh, uh, kid current room. There was about 60 men in there worshiping God together. He said, my arms and my legs just started shaking. He said, I couldn't stop them. He said, I couldn't stop He said, I went home that night. He said, it was all over me. He says, like I had something all over me. He said, I couldn't get it off me. You know what it was? It's the presence of God. Because, see, when people see something, you'd think that would convince, but it's when people experience something. Jesus said this, if I be lifted up, he didn't say when people get healed. 
He didn't say when sign miracles, signs, miracles, and wonders happen. He said, if I be lifted up, how do we lift him up? Worship, praise, magnify, glorify his name. Creates that atmosphere, the atmosphere of your life, your home, the church, the, the, the outreach, the jail ministry, the children's church, the camp, whatever we're doing, that atmosphere starts getting ripe for the presence and the power of God, the angelic realm. A friend of mine, was he was preaching a message one, one time called the double stir. Uh, uh, the guy that was at the miracle pool and an angel came down from heaven and stirred. And so he was preaching on the stir of the miraculous, but then the word of God that creates, and he said this, he, it said he was, he just started talking about a double stir, double stir. And he actually put out a book called the double stir a few years later, just back in the early nineties. He said, but in this particular meeting, I believe it was in, uh, in Arkansas, at Fort, in Smart, Fort, uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. He said, he stepped back and he said, people begin to fly out of their chairs and hit the floor. He said he, it was the most unusual, he said the only time he'd ever seen it is me. He said that, like, this person sitting here, would just boom, end up over there, lay it just out. People all down the aisle, all around here. And so he backed up on the platform, and he said, what, what's happening, Lord? What's happening, Lord? Because he wanted to know if people were getting healed. He said, what you've preached has caused such a stir in the spirit realm that angels have started running around in circles so fast that the presence of God in the atmosphere of the meeting got so charged that people couldn't even stand it. They were fly- the, the power of God was hitting them. They were just going all over the place. I've seen that happen, happen several times. I preached a message on Mary in Ireland one time, and the glory of God came in like a cloud, and we gave an altar call, and people got up to come to the altar never made it. They just fought three big old piles of people right down the middle aisle. The glory of God and the presence of God was so strong because we, number one, worshiped, praised, preached, lifted Jesus up, created an atmosphere, and more than just miracles, more than just signs and wonders, more than just a manifestation of somebody getting something from God, God showed up. And people are like, God's in here. I remember as a little boy one time coming home, my mom was a real prayer warrior. My grandmother was a real prayer warrior. And so I got three friends. We're walking up a driveway. We had a curved driveway that went to our front door. There was a garage here and a front door right here. So we're walking up, and the next door neighbor, the door flew open, and the next door neighbor came running out with her hands up. And I could hear my mom and my grandmother in there going, and the next door neighbor came running out going, God's in there, God's in there, God's in there. People say, why don't we see more of that? You want to see it? Worship. You want to see it? Praise. You want to see it? Do it and do it according to the word, and we'll see more of the atmosphere getting conducive to what? The rain of God. How do you get the river to rise? Get the rain falling. How do you get the rain falling? Get the atmosphere right. How do you get the atmosphere right? Get the worship and praise going. And I guarantee you, that'll create the atmosphere for the word to be preached and for God to do what? Not to confirm our ministries, not to confirm the church, but to confirm the finished work of his son with signs and wonders and miracles. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up. Father, we worship you tonight. Lord, we give you glory and honor in this place. 
We thank you for the life and power of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the power that's in the name of Jesus. And Father, we do not want to be like those that have hardened their hearts and become jaded and say, oh, that was for something yesterday or yesteryear. No, Father, we desire the atmosphere of our lives, of our homes, of our church to be conducive to your presence and your person and your essence in our midst so that we might lift up our worship to you for who you are and praise you because you came outside of the temple. You came outside of the tabernacle and you sought for the Gentile nation and you spilled your precious blood on the mercy seat so that we might be redeemed by that which is not corruptible. We worship you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We exalt you, Lord, for you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Hallelujah. We praise your name. Hallelujah. I'm reminded of that one leper. That one leper. The Bible says he came down, came back. Everybody say came back. Fell at his feet and worshiped. And Jesus said, where are the nine? Did not ten cleanse? Did not cleanse ten? But there's not one to come back and give me thanks. And the Bible said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. All of them had been cleansed. All of them had been healed. But one of them had been whole. And that's the will of God for us, is to be made whole. Amen. Stand on your feet tonight. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and life. Lord, as we begin this series on praise and worship, help us, Lord, by your anointing, by your spirit. Give us revelation. Give us insight. Take us as a church to a new level of worship and praise. As we leave tonight, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you're a God of your word. Thank you there shall no evil befall us, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place. Thank you that you give your angels charge over us. Thank you, Father, that in our travels on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we're protected by you, Lord. In the righteous labor of our hands, whether it be in the schools, the factories, the hospitals, the retail markets, no matter where it may be, we declare we're not subject to terror, trauma, tragedy, or any other implement the enemy would use to try to destroy people. For we are under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, protected by him. Father, thank you for the door of utterance that we have. Let us go forth from this place, be a blessing to people, a problem to the devil, an answer to somebody's prayer. And Father, as we leave tonight, we thank you that we can walk in faith and love and worship and praise toward you. We can walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. And we can leave this place as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you here, Lord. At Island Church, we're covered by the blood empowered by the word anointed by the holy ghost god bless you and we'll see you during the weekend thank you for joining us today we trust that you enjoyed the podcast for service times and special events visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com you can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113 we are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.